Check one, two. Check. Check one, two. Alrighty. Yes. Get in. Um, yeah, greetings and welcome to what is the first ever episode of the Brighton and Banter podcast. Um, actually, hold on. We need to get some little bit more energy going on in here. Oh, yes. All right, now we're talking. How great was Saturday? Big Dan Byrne, Solly March, Sensual, touched by Pascal Gross, Ben White, Alexis McAllister, Leandro Trossard, back into Alexis McAllister, tap in Neil Mope, give me all three. And you know what? Up yours, Bielsa, you naive prat. This is Brighton and Banter, baby. Have it. All right, and welcome to what is admittedly a rather crisp morning here in the southern mid-Atlantic of the United States. I hope you all are doing well. I'm tucked away in downtown Columbia, South Carolina. My name is Max, and once again, this is the first of hopefully plenty of Brighton and Banter podcasts. We're going to be talking everything as it relates to Brighton and Nova Albion Football Club and bantering the hell out of everybody else. We'll have some more general Premier League chatter as well. Do some fun things, maybe break out the power rankings if we want to really trigger some people. But for the most part, we'll try to keep the general talk to a minimum, as it's not really the point of this podcast unless it relates to Brighton. So without any further delay, I want to jump straight into Saturday, because what a brilliant performance that was. Brighton needed this, and more importantly, Brighton deserved this. And you've got to give all the credit here to Graham Potter. I mean, anytime your best player... I'm talking about Eve Basuma here, doesn't start the game, you have to be scratching your head. First of all, he slides Dan Byrne into the back three, and I'm going to be having PTSD for a while from that Wolves game. Ben White, of course, making his return to Ellen Road in the midfield, where he has played, admittedly. But most surprisingly, starting Pascal Gross instead of Eve Basuma. Now I understand that Eve Basuma was serving a one-game ban for his yellow card accumulation, but I don't feel like he let the team down or certainly did anything deserving of not automatically returning to the starting lineup. And when you consider the defensive setup that Graham Potter was going for here, I mean, Eve Basuma is just better defensively than Pascal Gross is. He's more athletic, he's more of a destroyer, and he gives you a dribbling outlet, which is important because Brighton weren't really playing a striker. Now, Gross admittedly is probably a little bit more technical, gives you a little bit more ability on the ball in terms of maybe some passing, some set-piece delivery. But how that helps you on a purely defensive setup, I'm just not quite sure. But what the hell do I know? Graham Potter got the team selection absolutely spot-on, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. I don't know if it's a tactical masterclass because the concepts and ideas he employed were so simple stupid. But when the opposing manager is so ignorant in his own setup and preparation, all you can do is take them apart. And that's exactly what Brighton did. I mean, let's think about this for a second. Graham Potter played a six-center-back, zero-striker system. I'm chuckling just saying that out loud. It was a 5-5. It was basically this 5-5, this active 5-5 block, and it worked. It worked to perfection. Why? Because Leeds and Bielsa are tactically naive. There's just no other way to say it. This is unbelievable. Bielsa is more tactically naive than Jose Mourinho. Bielsa is more naive than anybody I've ever seen. Leeds only play one way, the Bielsa way, this Bielsa ball, this system where everybody bombs forward. 
The system where everyone is just running all over the pitch in the final third. This system in which you abandon all sense of position and shape in an effort to score a goal. I mean, when Leeds turn the ball over, they don't retreat into a defensive shape. They man-mark the closest player, the closest Brighton player in this case, all the way back. Congratulations, Bielsa. You made a non-A team Brighton look like prime Barcelona. Look at the goal we scored. Yes, that goal reminded me of the Lucadinha own goal at the Amex last year when Brighton scored the winner late against Everton. And yes, this was an example of Potterball at its finest. But that goal is not possible if Leeds have any sense of defensive shape about them. Where was Stuart Dallas? Where is the midfield? Where are the center backs? I mean, when Southgate's favorite man bun is in back there holding the fourth down at the six, Bielsa looks like a fool. I mean, he just does. I'm talking about Calvin Phillips. But even when the normal dumpster fire of Robin Cock, how's that working out for you? And Calvin Phillips are back there, Leeds still can't defend. This is incredible. Everyone is given almost complete freedom in the final third, and Brighton made them pay. Because aside from the goal, there were several sequences like that, and if Brighton were more ruthless in their finishing, they probably would have scored a few goals. Now, Brighton aren't very ruthless in attack, and that's no surprise to us. But Leeds allowed Brighton to be successful. And again, Graham Potter deserves all the credit for setting up Brighton in this 5-5 and just absolutely clogging the middle of the pitch. And, and Bielsa had no answers to that. He had no answers. So yeah, I don't rate Bielsa. I don't rate Robin Cock. I barely rate the man bun. I don't rate Leeds as a city, a club, and most importantly, I don't rate their deluded fans. Big club this, big club that. Shut your yap. This Leeds product I saw on Saturday was relegation fodder at best. If you all survive this season, you'll be blessing the embarrassment at Bramall Lane, not yourselves. Anyway, I've got more important things to talk about, so let's move on from this dumpster fire. And I think Grand Potter summed it up best. Brighton had one hell of a good week. When you think about the three fixtures they had to contest over those six days, Newport away in the third round of the FA Cup, Man City away, and then Leeds away. And to come out of there with two wins and a narrow defeat is absolutely fantastic. Just going back to the Newport game real quick, sort of the coming out party for Alexis McAllister, I thought. And nice to see Percy Tao obviously make his debut. But anyone who thought that Brighton were going to cruise into South Wales and just dominate this Newport County side were either haven't been paying attention to lower league football or the FA Cup in the last few years because Michael Flynn has that squad playing absolutely fantastic. They're due for a promotion from League Two for sure. And when you think about the fact that Tottenham, Leicester, big club Leeds, um, and I believe Middlesbrough when they were in the championship have all failed to win at Rodney Parade. Just getting out of there is a victory, especially when you consider that it was snowing on Friday, then they played the rugby match on Saturday before Brighton showed up on Sunday. So anyway, to get out of there, get out of Rodney Parade, through only the fourth round was fantastic. Obviously, we were helped by the fact that there were no fans 
which is frustrating, especially in these sort of FA Cup fixtures where you have lower-level opposition hosting Premier League opposition. It's absolutely fantastic for the club. It's so such a lucrative opportunity, and it's a real shame that Newport weren't able to host what I'm sure would have been a, a full house and just a raucous atmosphere, although that would have made Brighton's job hell of a lot harder. Then to go into Manchester City and give a pretty good account of ourselves in terms of our defensive resilience, our structure, our shape, our commitment to play for Graham Potter I thought was fantastic. Robert Sanchez had a, had a brilliant game. More on him later. And then again, to go up north and to whoop a bad Leeds team. Um, again, McAllister, absolutely fantastic. We're going to talk about him and Leandro Trossard a little, in a little bit. But I really feel like these past three games have highlighted the two systems that Graham Potter is trying to merge together to get Brighton playing the best football that they can, but also consistently churning out performances and hopefully results. I feel like the system that Brighton and Graham Potter actually want to play is the Bissouma-Alzate midfield combination that we saw to start the year where Brighton turned out some just fantastic performances, obviously took apart Newcastle, played Man United off the field, how we didn't get anything out of that, I'm still not sure. You know, Lamptey and March on the flanks, and then just sort of rotating front three of Connolly Mope and Leandro Trossard. And I believe that with Graham Potter at the helm, that this is a God-tier lineup. I do not care what anybody thinks. This lineup should be good enough to finish top half with the way Brighton want to play. And Chelsea, to start the season, I thought we were the better team. And, you know, Brighton really looked pretty good in those first few games. But there was one glaring problem, and that was that everyone in that lineup, with the exception of Eve Basuma, who is 5'10", is short as hell. Shorter than or equal to 5'9". And you just can't defend set pieces that way. I don't care how progressive the Premier League becomes as more managers adopt this possession-based style and players with ball-playing attributes become more popular. You cannot take the old English style out of the Premier League. English clubs dominate set pieces. It's the Sean Dyche effect. Call it whatever you want. It doesn't matter. You could throw Lalana in there. He's short as well. Brighton were consistently outplaying teams, but they couldn't help themselves. They were going to give up one to two headed goals a game because they had no height in the lineup with the exception of the back three. And then you've got this other system. It's more of a defensive system. It's the six center back system. We've got Ben White in the midfield. You slide Dan Byrne in. Bernardo, who just got moved to Salzburg, thank goodness. You know, Veltman were getting minutes on the wings, even when Lamptey wasn't injured. Danny Welbeck up front. And although Brighton aren't as dynamic in possession with that system, you're not going to give up the same volume of set-piece goals. We've seen that. Brighton have looked better defensively with this system. And not just from open play, from set-pieces as well. Now, injuries haven't helped, but when you play this less dynamic system, you're unable to play through the turrets as efficiently and as effectively as Graham Potter wants. You really need a target man up front. You need someone who you, that you can whip balls into in the box. You need someone who can also spin off and run in behind. 
But unfortunately, with this system, with Ben White in the midfield, with your Bernardos, your Veltmans playing minutes on the wings, with Dan Byrne in there, the buildup is just too slow. You need a way to stretch the play. You need to become faster, more dynamic. You need to become more diverse in the attacks. Yes, you need to be able to play some when the chance is there, like when Bielsa goes all ignorant on you and Brighton took advantage. But you also need to be able to cross the ball when it's not. And we really can't seem to be able to spin in behind, especially without Tariq Lamptey. So we have simply struggled to score. That's the reason that Brighton have struggled to score. It's not that the players are not producing in the final third, which they aren't, but they're just not creating as many chances as they need to consistently score. And this slow buildup, this this trying to play through the turrets slowly just doesn't help Aaron Conley. It doesn't help Neil Mope. Barely helps Danny Welbeck. So what's the solution to all this? Well, first, we, we got to get some of these injured guys back. I'm talking about Lalana, Tariq Lamptey, Danny Welbeck, Aaron Connolly. And this is important because this will, again, return us to our more dynamic selves. I believe this is the way that Graham Potter really wants to play Lamptey instead of Veltman. Ben White back in the back three instead of Dan Byrne. Adam Lalana in places of any of the front three who are out of form. Probably Leandro Trossard right now. More on him later. And Danny Welbeck, because he offers a little bit more diversity in attack in terms of his ability to be a frontman and to get on the end of crosses. However, as I've previously discussed, this makes our lineup considerably shorter. We lack height. That There's just no other way to say it. And yet, I believe Jacob Modere, our loney recall from Lech Posen, could solve all of these problems. He's six foot two. He's dynamic on the ball. He's got a great range of passing. He is a Graham Potter type player. And he's six foot two. He's athletic. And he's six foot two. Did I mention that he's six foot two? Yet yeah, this gives our team a little bit more height. Now I believe you still have to play Danny Welbeck in this team. I believe that the players not named Ben White, Adam Webster, Lewis Dunk, and Jacob Modere are still too short to consistently defend set pieces and crosses coming into the box. Now, Graham Potter is also going to have a lot of options to select from his front three, assuming he plays his what seems to be his favorite system, the 3-4-3, because I believe this Michael Carbonic kid, our recall from League of Warsaw, is going to replace Solly March on the left wing back position and allow Graham Potter to push Solly March a little bit higher up if he wants to. So you'll have Solly March, Leandro Trossard, Aaron Connolly when he comes back, Neil Mope, Alexis McAllister, Adam Lalana, Percy Tao now on the right side with Alireja Yanbash, assuming he doesn't move on. So we will have options. There's just no height in that group of players, which is why I still think that Danny Welbeck has to be in the team for now, which is also why I think that Brighton are now one player away from having something really special here. If, if Jacob Moder slides into the midfield along with Eve Basuma, if Michael Carbonic comes in at left wing back and pushes Sally March a little bit higher, Tariq Lamptey comes back, Adam Lalana, I believe this team is good enough to finish in the top 10. I really believe that. However, in that team that I just named, Danny Welbeck is now obviously the weakest link. So, Tony Bloom, if you are listening, you've got to get 
Darwin Nunez or the equivalent. God, if we can you, you guys imagine if we had actually secured the Darwin Nunez signature this summer? You've got to get a Darwin Nunez type player, a big guy, someone who can be a target man, man, but someone who can also play the Graham Potter way, who can drop short, who's comfortable on the ball, who can bring others into the game, who can play with his back to goal, and who can spin in behind and stretch the opponent back line, but most importantly, can also provide a little bit of defensive security and stability when Brighton are defending set pieces and crosses coming into the box late in games. So just to reiterate, I believe Brighton's best lineup moving forward is Robert Sanchez in goal with the back three of Adam Webster, Lewis Dunk, and Ben White. Tariq Lamptey and Michael Carbonic on the flanks with the midfield two of Modair and Basuma. And then as I mentioned, I think you've got to have Welbeck in there for his height. So then some combination of two players... Andy Zakiri, if he can be developed, Mope, Connolly, Percy Tao, Adam Olana, Alexis McAllister, who's looked great recently, Ali Reza Jahanbash, are we even still including him, and Sally March. Which brings me to my last point of this first Brighton and Banter podcast episode. And I want to talk about a couple of players individually that have really stood out over the last few games for good and bad. And I think we, we've got to start with the line of judo, right? I mean, thank you, Brexit, I guess. I, that, Percy Tao looks absolutely fantastic. He looks direct. He looks tricky. He's got quick feet. He's confident. Seems to have a good work ethic defensively, tracks back. And for some reason reminds me of a debuting Leandro Trossard when he first arrived. But that's kind of my point. What happened to Leandro Trossard? I mean, this guy is just not as confident, not as direct, and he seems to really get discouraged quite easily on the pitch when he doesn't when something doesn't work out for him or a pass doesn't reach him or he's not able to convert a pass. We need Trossard to be an 8 plus 8 guy. You know, he's got to have 8 goals and 8 assists over the course of a season and I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if it's his disturbingly dark eyes, but he's just not performing and every it, it almost seems like he's cursed. Every time he needs to shoot, he passes. Every time he needs to pass, he shoots. His playmaking on the break especially is just not where it needs to be. But most concerning is his level of frustration during a game. When a break doesn't, when he doesn't get a break, he is legitimately dejected. He's discouraged. He's discouraged to the point where it obviously affects his work ethic. He doesn't track back. He doesn't close the ball down. He's not eager to make amends for a play that breaks down. And that's, it's disturbing to see as a fan. I mean, I don't want to be mean to the guy, but he's got to, his play has to be more consistent over 90 minutes. It just does. It just simply does. Which brings me to someone who has been performing consistently, and that's Alexis McAllister. I mean, was Newport this kid's coming out party? Come on, baby. This guy's been fantastic. Maybe it took miserable weather and a bad pitch to get the true Argentinian out of him. I don't know, but either way, this kid can just straight up play. He was brilliant in, in against Man City, and he was exceptional against Leeds. Now, anyone can look good when you're attacking against the Bielsa system, 
But again, all you can do is break down what's in front of you, and that's what he's been doing consistently over the last couple weeks. He's a player that I feel is not exactly tailor-made for the Grand Potter system because he kind of wants to play as this drifting in and out number 10, and he kind of seems to be overwhelmed, or at least when he first arrived last January, by the tight spaces and the speed of the Premier League. But if he can continue to adapt his game, he could be an ideal asset because... His passing and his technicality is absolutely fantastic. And I think if we had more dynamic strikers, like a Darwin Nunez, if Danny Welbeck could get a consistent run in the team, someone who can eat up a little bit more space, who can distract back fours, who can be diverse in their attacks and their runs, it will create more space for Lexus McAllister. And I believe that the best of him is yet to come. Now, he does not work well with the rotating front three that Grand Potter sometimes like to play, likes to play of Trossard, March, Mope, Connolly, some combination of that group. He's not a part of that. That's not his game. His game is finding the space in between the six and the back line of the opponent and you know picking the ball up on the half turn and bringing others into play with his range of passing. Now, as I've mentioned, I believe Danny Welbeck has to be in this team as well, just for his height, defensively. And he obviously can't be part of a rotating front three either. So maybe the solution for Grand Potter up front, and now I also don't think Grand Potter knows what his best front three is. I don't. Um, Maybe it's Welbeck with either McAllister or Lalana in sort of a playmaking number 10 role. And then you've got... A second striker, whether that be Trossard, Mope, Connolly, Zakiri, or anyone else you want to try to throw in that role. Now, the last person I want to talk about on this first edition of Brighton Banter is Robert Sanchez. Because where would we be in the table if we had started him from the beginning? He is so confident on the ball, it's almost casual. It's honestly disturbing, but I love it. And I'm just glad we have a keeper over six feet now. I mean, I was a big fan of Daddy Ryan. I still am. And his height and athleticism allowed him to make the reflex saves. And he made some great reflex saves. But he just couldn't win you a game. He couldn't make saves that were not routine, but were also kind of savable. And he definitely couldn't save a penalty for his life. Unless it was Wayne Rooney, of course. So I like this Sanchez kid a lot. I mean, he's already made saves where I've been pleasantly surprised. And yes, he is a little erratic. Yes, he's not exactly settled in yet. But I also find his energy and determination not to be beaten rather refreshing. I mean, Robert Sanchez will literally do anything before conceding a goal. He will kick you in the face. He will tackle you. He will commit a penalty. It doesn't matter. Robert Sanchez will do anything before getting beat, and he will dive for every shot. I mean, hell, he picked the ball up against Man City to prove that Kevin De Bruyne couldn't beat him from six yards. I mean, that's the kind of confidence that I want in my keeper. I mean, Daddy Ryan was not going to get beat diving for a ball. If he was going to get beat, it was gonna, he was going to make it look like it was an unsavable shot. He wasn't going to really make an effort to extend or try to make the save because he wanted to make it look like it was unsavable. At least Robert Sanchez is humble enough to attempt to save every ball kicked his way. I mean, will Robert Sanchez get sent off multiple times over the course of an entire season? Yes. 
Would it really surprise you if Robert Sanchez had multiple touches with his feet over the course of a season in the opponent's half? No, it wouldn't. Would San would Robert Sanchez deliberately give the ball away with his feet just to prove that he could make the save? Yes. I mean, is Robert Sanchez going to do multiple Cruyff turns in his own six-yard box over the course of a season? Yes. So, Sanchez is a new shot stopper. We all want it. And... Honestly, Grand Potter has probably turned Daddy Ryan into a saleable asset. And would it be the worst thing ever if we could raise a little cash to buy a Grand Potter-style frontman? I think not. So that pretty much does it for the first ever episode of the Brighton and Banter podcast. I hope it was both entertaining and informative. We'll be back on Friday to discuss Blackpool coming to the Amex for the fourth round of the FA Cup. And we'll we'll do a few transfer rumors as well as we come towards the end of the January window. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and of course, up the Albion.